woman, 43 weeks pregnant, a book past its due date, or a long-needed visit between friends, this is Overdue with the Slot and the Prude. A monthly feminist podcast that highlights the beauties of libraries while discussing everything from politics to pop culture and whatever nonsense pops into our heads. So, welcome back. <laughs> Today we are coming from Sheridan Library and Learning Services. So a little bit about Sheridan. Um, Sheridan's Library and Learning Services offer students essential academic supports, relevant collections, and innovative technology. Our mission is to provide meaningful services to advance teaching and learning, build research capacity, promote scholarly communication, and encourage creative activities. So that's Sheridan. <laughs> that's Sheridan. Obviously, this is a slightly different location than we're used to coming out of. Um, as always, we're having problems finding libraries with bookable study rooms that don't need to be booked literally at the library at the time you want it to be booked. Yeah. There was a little bit of a misunderstanding. There was a library that we had intended to go to. I was told we could book over the phone. And then I called this morning right at 9, and they're like, no, you had to do it in person on the weekends because they're so busy. And we were not expecting that. No, and so we've had to kind of make do and luckily have somebody <laughs> who <laughs> could um, A very generous benefactor. A very <laughs> generous benefactor <laughs> who could get us into Sheridan's Learning Commons. So we are here. They saved the day. Super you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I suppose what has what was our question at the end of the last? I guess we haven't had anyone answer our question, <laughs> so there's not really any point in talking about that. What has happened to you since our last? Oh, so much. Um, so before we get into us, I actually wanted to ask you a question. Oh. So this was a story that I found, and it's actually specifically related to library, so just up our alley. Oh, okay. And so my question is, what kind of responsibility and role do libraries play to the public? So I'll give you a little bit of a backstory. So just after we actually did our podcast in October, Mm -hmm. the story came out that Toronto Public Library, one of their branches, was hosting an event. Mm -hmm. And it was with an author by the name of Megan Murphy. She was the founder and editor of Feminist Current. And she was scheduled to speak at the Palmerston Library Theater. Mm -hmm. And she's a feminist, or she says she is. Oh, dear. Here we go. (laughs) But she believes trans women shouldn't be allowed to compete against cisgender women, so women who identify with the gender they're born with in supporting events or using women's change rooms. And so this actually enraged a lot of people. I'm absolutely no doubt that it did. And the critics have obviously labeled Murphy as anti-trans, and a lot of people actually said that the public library should not have been holding this event, and they asked that they cancel it. The public library said, no, they will not. And so authors all over kind of decided to boycott the library. Oh. Yeah. And so... The Toronto Public Library spokesperson said that the library supports everyone's right to protest and voice their opinions through a petition or other means, but said that as a public library, the public institution, we have an obligation to protect free speech. And so they rent out mm. like uh, meeting rooms and yeah. special events, a lot to that, to people, meeting rooms but available. Any, yeah. Any group. 
Um, and she said that they need to make them available to all on an equitable basis, regardless of the beliefs or affiliations of individuals or groups requesting their use. They can oh, cancel yes. the room rental if they feel the event will promote discrimination, contempt, or hatred for any individual or group, and stated that the use of the room rental in question does not violate that policy. So. Okay. <laughs> it, what do you think? Yay or nay for the library? Were they in the right? Were they in the wrong? What's the responsibility to the what, public? What a giant can of worms that we're starting yes. with today. Oh, also. Oh, my gosh. Murphy <laughs> was actually scheduled to speak at a library in Vancouver. Yeah. They protested. And I don't know whether or not that was actually canceled or not. I don't think it said. But there was protest outside of the library when she was speaking there. Huh. So I think that to start, my first reaction is that this is not an uncommon thought mm -hmm. in terms of Murphy's thoughts about competitors mm -hmm. being like in the trans community, mm -hmm. whether or not they should be competing with biologically gendered people. Yeah. And I think that's not a very uncommon thought. And I think that in general, it shouldn't really matter. If mm -hmm. they're transitioning, whether socially or, like, genetically, chemically, physically, I don't think it should really matter at mm -hmm. that point. Um, I know that there's a lot of people who, when they think, like, physically, the testosterone can give competitors an edge. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of sports in which biological women can face biological men, and the odds are even. Mm -hmm. So I think that... Her opinion is not uncommon. I know a lot of people who feel that when they find out that an athlete who does well mm -hmm. is maybe not what they expected, they don't like them. Mm -hmm. Like they do. They did you hear about the story of the female athlete, genetically, biologically female, who was really, really amazing, and mm -hmm. they did tests and they found out that she doesn't produce. She has a slightly higher testosterone mm -hmm. level mm -hmm. than the other competitors, mm -hmm. and they started saying that she shouldn't be competing. Right. With other women, despite the fact that this is her body that is doing this. No one's giving her drugs, mm -hmm. no one's doing anything. So I think it doesn't matter. I think if someone does well, they want to find a reason right. to hate them. As for the library, it's really hard to say, because I think that in general, a library should be serving the community, whatever mm -hmm. community that is. But I do think that they're part of their job, part of their responsibility is to ensure that they're not creating a space where hate and discrimination can breed. Mm -hmm. So as you said, they can they can cancel bookings for mm -hmm. groups that they think are going to cause a lot of discrimination or hate. But that means that the board mm -hmm. or the admin need to have some more accountability. And that doesn't mean necessarily they're always going to. I think communities should be allowed to host like their events in the space like it's supposed to be a community center where people should be able to go and host events mm -hmm. but like if there's no admin in the space that are going to be like oh this is going to be a problem mm -hmm. then it's just going to be allowed to go that's a really difficult mm -hmm. like because originally it was the event that murphy hosted wasn't about that Mm -hmm. Athlete? It wasn't, well, it was about transgender rights mm. in general. Murphy claims that she's in support of transgender rights. Okay. She's just raising issues that some transgender rights may infringe and be problematic for women's rights. Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, 
she claims to be of support of transgender rights. Yeah. And I've actually never listened to her, so I can't say whether or not she yeah. is or isn't. I think some of the things she's, some of the questions she's raising, I think are fair. Yeah, I think so. And I don't necessarily think that that they're anti-trans. Mm-hmm. I think we've gone into a bit of a culture where anytime somebody disagrees with something, it's yeah. automatically your hate. Yeah, yeah. Right, and that's not necessarily the case, or nor is it yeah. necessarily fair, or is it helpful for like progressing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in these situations, if trans, if trans rights are under uh, scrutiny for mm-hmm. whatever reason, there needs to be trans visibility. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be trans people in on the conversation mm-hmm. of a variety of things. So people in this the in this trans community who are athletes, mm-hmm. people who aren't, people right. who watch sports take part in all these things to be a part of this conversation and maybe it is in terms of like like there's a level of transness which doesn't seem right at all that should be competing or there should be just an open book if Mm -hmm. you fully and socially identify as trans then you can compete it's one of those things that is going to take more than just one person's conversation but I don't think her comments immediately make her transphobic or anti-trans especially if all of her other policies Mm -hmm. proceedings and actions show her support Mm -hmm. i don't think one thing can negate Mm -hmm. everything right that someone's done and libraries are meant to be places of learning and education and so this is in my opinion the perfect place to have conversations like Mm -hmm. this you know how do we incorporate trans rights and how yeah. do we make sure that's not going to infringe on other rights, right? Yeah, exactly. And so if it, it, she's probably right in saying that a lot of cisgender women are uncomfortable with transgender and women in their spaces. Mm-hmm. And so we need to have conversations about that. Yeah. What's causing your discomfort? It's mm-hmm. probably based in ignorance and probably. confusion. Mm-hmm. And so you need to be educated about what it means to be transgender, mm-hmm. what happens when we allow transgender women into spaces for women, right? Yeah. So libraries are perfect for that. There's probably thousands of books about transgender rights. Oh, absolutely. Written by trans people who have gone through it, right? Right. And even in terms of just the history of Mm -hmm. trans existence, most movements were started by trans women of color. Mm -hmm. Like, that's usually who started movements. The LGBT movement was started by trans women of color. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many resources Mm -hmm. out there and the library is always, I believe anyway, supposed to be that open space. Right. Ideally, libraries shouldn't be held to any kind of political or, like, idealistic standard. Mm-hmm. They should always be this almost neutral space. Right. Like a space where it doesn't matter what you believe in, this is a space for people to learn. Mm-hmm. And to share a space with the understanding that they're maybe coming into it without all the knowledge. Right. And so I think they should be, people should be allowed to book spaces in libraries. They should be allowed to exist Mm -hmm. in a library Mm -hmm. without having to feel like they have to conform to a certain politic. Right. But it is hard as well because obviously if you're going to be that space, you have to have a standard of what it means to discriminate. Right. And so it's hard because, like, you, to be a safe space, you do have to discriminate. Mm-hmm. Because there's a big difference between safe and hate. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So that, that's, people, I think, don't understand that line very well. Right. That there's a difference between freedom of speech and discriminating. Mm-hmm. Like, 
some people like I've heard people say, "Oh, well, I can say that I don't believe in the gays mm-hmm. because it's my freedom of speech." And it's like, "No, no, no, that's not what freedom of speech is." Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. I saw someone posted a really interesting like difference between freedom of speech, right? And like discrimination, but I'm not sure if I could find it. Because, like, that's the big difference. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference between what you're free to think and say mm-hmm. and what infringes on someone else. And probably the difference is, is as soon as it infringes on somebody else's right to live, right. that's probably the difference. Like, you and I can disagree about whether peanut butter and jam is better or peanut butter and chocolate. And that's <laughs> one thing, right, to disagree mm-hmm. on those things. Mm-hmm. But it's a very big difference to disagree on whether someone's allowed to live. Mm-hmm. There's just some articles that are saying like freedom of speech is not a license to be racist, racist or right. spread racist propaganda, and that would include any kind of um, ist, <laughs> any kind of ist. Um, like it. So the only thing, so because I was, I didn't go to this, yeah, but I was course. actually listening to um, something on the radio that was addressing mm-hmm. it on mm-hmm. my way home. Okay, yeah. And somebody who actually had attended it, they had some recordings, and so they were playing some of the clips. Right. The only time that I would say she was crossing over into discrimination was when she said, real women have a problem with transgender women. And then I'm like, okay, pump the brakes. (laughs) So once you start referring or trying to differentiate between, quote, real women and, quote, transgender women, now we're getting into a problem. Yes. Now we're getting into a bit, you know, the trans hate area. Yes. But yes. simply stating cisgender women might have a problem with transgender women being in their space. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, it and is. We're raising it's a, a concern. Yes. It's, it's, a it's a concern. And it's a valid concern. And, you know, it shows where in society we need to do, like, you know, proper education. Mm-hmm. But saying real women yeah, and I girls. <laughs> now we're getting into uh, a troublesome area. Yeah, I absolutely agree. There's a big difference between, like, language. Language yeah. is so incredibly specific. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's what language is. Mm-hmm. It's specific. And I'm, I'm really hoping it is just a, like, if you're not a part of the community, mm-hmm. it's very easy to kind of just, like, almost forget mm-hmm. what it is you're saying and because you're not really experiencing it you're acting as an ally and the language around this stuff changes all the time like queer was a slur for a very mm-hmm. long time and it's being reclaimed but it's still almost a slur if you're not in the community right using it mm-hmm. but when it comes to trans rights real women yeah trans women are real women right just not cisgendered right and so you, oh, if you can't oh, necessarily say that bad. you're in support of trans women and trans right, and then say real women versus trans women, yeah, yeah, because then you're That's not like the first step exactly because you're not accepting them. No. You're still distinguishing and trying to say that there are yeah. quote real and not real, and then that just like yeah. Then what exactly are you fighting for, Liddy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people's problem is that it's stuck in a lot of cis people's heads Mm -hmm. where does the transition start yes like a lot of people in their heads they're like well just because they say they're trans doesn't mean they're 
quote-unquote a woman and it's like right. well actually yes mm-hmm. that's exactly where it starts like as soon as somebody says you know what i identify as another gender mm-hmm. that's where it starts like that is where the transness mm-hmm. starts and even if they don't say it to anybody else yeah if that's what's in their mind that's what it is mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people struggle with that right and once you struggle with that then it's hard to right like navigate any of the other stuff right so that's but, a tough one. Yeah. And the only way to get over that struggle is to have these conversations. Yeah. And so anytime somebody who raises a question or mm-hmm. probably probably in ways that we don't necessarily like the question to be posed, mm-hmm. but still it's a valid question. We, yeah. we actually do have to sit down and have these conversations. We do. And not necessarily say, well, I don't like what you just asked. Therefore, you're hateful. I'm not going to talk to you. Uh, you can't yeah. just be like, you're a bigot. You're homophobic. Yeah. We're done uh, in a conversation walk away because yeah. then you haven't taught them anything yeah. and they're still sitting in their misconceptions and and actually you're gonna help to increase those misconceptions exactly and actually make them you're gonna push someone more towards hate right. by just blocking the door you have to have uncomfortable conversations right and i think we've lost mm-hmm. a lot of those skills mm-hmm. and maybe we never had them really right like when i think about it my grandparents weren't allowed to speak as children like they weren't exactly. allowed to say See, not anything heard. yeah and so to go from that to this, that's a very large transition. Mm-hmm. But I think within that, we still haven't got to the point where you can understand that you don't have to agree mm-hmm. in the beginning of the conversation. Right. The point of a conversation is you probably don't agree about something, and then mm-hmm. you're talking about it and moving through it. I, I watched, so for my schooling, we had to, we were doing Indigenous studies, mm-hmm. and our professor, who was Indigenous herself, brought forward a video for us mm-hmm. and it was a black man mm-hmm. uh, I believe he was a comedian I'm not 100% sure but he sat down with somebody who openly said that he believed that black people were genetically superior to white people and therefore should be separated from them like, like there okay. should be segregation. Like, he believed in segregation because, like... Because they were superior. Because safety for the white people kind of thing, right? And so this guy, mm-hmm. sure. this guy, this black man, I, he was in his, like, 20s, mm-hmm. ha- took this man out for dinner, mm-hmm. the white man out for dinner, to have a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. A man who would openly say that they should be segregated, that there shouldn't be any mixing mm-hmm. of any kind, like socially or marriage or anything like that. Because he said you have to have the difficult conversations, right. the uncomfortable conversations, to understand why the other side thinks the way they do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time you'll find this misconception. I don't know how this whole dinner <laughs> turned out in the end. I think at the end of the day they didn't see eye to eye, but yeah. he went into it and came out of it with a much clearer understanding mm-hmm. of why people thought the way they did. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was incredibly impressive because I don't think I would have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. at least not until I watched that video and understood, right? Like the importance of it. Yeah. But like, it's you have to have uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, I think we also have to kind of like know our enemy. Yes. I feel like a lot of times we try to have conversations with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people who believe what they believe, and nothing you say is going to tell them otherwise. And we try so hard to have conversations yeah. with these people, and we're literally just beating our head against a brick wall. Yeah. And we're really upset that the brick wall just will not fall. Mm-hmm. You're and just you end up 
proving them right. Exactly. Because you're getting angry, upset. Oh, you're just an emotional woman. Exactly. Or just but the people who are raising questions and like, well, I don't understand this, or how is this possible? We just get really upset with them and be like, that's not supportive. Go away. We don't want yeah. you. Yeah. But they're the ones who are actually asking the questions and mm-hmm. are actually being willing to have a discussion. Yeah. I don't yeah. understand this. You know, I believe this. Why is that wrong? Yeah. Well, because you're a racist, that's why. And then you walk away. Well, that, that didn't help me. Yeah. <laughs> I still have questions. And now I'm just going to, like, look for my answers in my racist people. <laughs> yeah. So, great. Thanks. That was helpful. Yeah. And I think, so there's a song that I'm listening to right now. And mm-hmm. one of the lyrics is literally, the hardest conversations are the ones you'll never have. Mm-hmm. And that's true. It's very true. And the second thing that makes that, that makes me think of is... There's no point in having a conversation with somebody who would rather be right than happy. Right. Because there's many people, and sometimes there's even some things that I admit that I'm just like, no, I'd rather be right about this. Like, I don't want to have this conversation with you. That, like, we all kind of have that. Mm-hmm. But there's no point with having a conversation with those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Because they, they're not actually curious about changing. Mm-hmm. They're not curious anymore. They literally just want to be right about mm-hmm. that person, that kind of person, that kind of politician, that yeah. whatever it is that they believe that they're right on, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if this would make them money, yeah. give them a bigger home, cure their illness, or give their children a future. Mm-hmm. If it means them admitting that they're not right, they don't want it. Exactly. They don't want anything to do with it. Right. And there's no point in having those conversations with those people, but I think for feminists and anybody under that umbrella, mm-hmm. so whether, so any, like, any kind of activist, any kind of is, good is, <laughs> it's hard to admit that you can't change some people. Right. Because you want everyone to be a feminist, you want everybody to be environment, an environmentalist, you mm-hmm. want everybody to be unbigoted and yeah. accepting, and that's hard for, I think, people in our field of life Mm -hmm. to go there are some people I can't change the mind of right because you believe that like you want to believe and you want to believe you want to believe that once you explain it people go oh yes that makes so much more sense we would all love to have that moment where we reach over the table and we just pull them over (laughs) (laughs) but it, it doesn't happen yeah like there are some people that no matter what you do you're not going to change their mind. Yeah. And that's hard to do, I think, and hard to admit. And accept. And accept, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's always going to be somebody who wants to hate something. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be someone who's going to be angry at something you've said or done. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be someone who says you're wrong. Yep. And maybe sometimes you are wrong, and that's okay as well. That's another thing feminists struggle with is being like, oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing I find that is really difficult because it's like we have to hold our it's almost like basically when I go see my grandparents Mm -hmm. we have conversations Mm -hmm. and they will hound me about a certain thing whether it's environmental or feminist or immigrant policy or whatever it is and it's like we've been put in a corner where now we have to know everything Mm -hmm. and we have to be right about everything because as soon as we have one negative thing those people who are like poking us and poking us and poking us aren't going to be like, well, that's it. One wrong thing, your whole thing collapses. Yeah. And they're doing it to get a rise out of you. Right. And it's hard to just go, I'm not having this conversation. Mm-hmm. That's been what I've had to work on recently anyway, is just very exactly. much coming in and going, 
not having this conversation. Right. You're not actually open mm-hmm. to discussing this. You just want to get a rise out of me and see me crumble beneath mm-hmm. my own mm-hmm. inexperience. <laughs> I also think that as activists, especially like mm-hmm. feminists, we have to remember that once upon a time, we were these people. Yeah. You know, we would have been the people trying to book rooms in libraries to have conversations about why women should vote. And there would have been yeah. people outside saying, this is whatever, this is sexist, this is you know, something stupid as to why mm-hmm. we should not be having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we had to have that conversation so that other people could see yeah. why this should be the case. Yeah. And so when it comes to transgender or any other kind of issues, there's still lots of unknowns out there. Mm -hmm. And we need to have conversations so we can make them known, we can clarify things, and then we can, you know, bring the bridge and, you know, kumbaya stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Join hands and dance. Yeah, it's, it's, I think a lot of people take for granted that where we are. Mm -hmm. That, like, mm, like my grandmother was at a time where she couldn't vote. Yeah. Like, she saw that come in Mm -hmm. to effect. Like that, it's not that long ago. My grandmother's not that old. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we take for granted that that's where we are mm-hmm. and forget that that took work. Yeah. And it's a cycle. Like, this always happens. It's a cycle that will continue in when we have kids and they have kids. Mm-hmm. Those kids will be fighting for something mm-hmm. and think, like, well, like, why aren't you fighting for it? And we'll forget that that was something that we had to fight for. Right. Or they'll forget that we had to fight for something so that right. they could fight for whatever they're fighting for Mm -hmm. at the same time I heard someone I was listening to another podcast (laughs) a while ago and they were saying how if you read a book from the 18th century Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised by how little things have really changed oh yeah in terms of like it it might be different things like obviously the 18th century didn't have like laptops and internet and like oh no phones in the classroom and stuff like that but they had similar issues mm-hmm. like there was always some form of like fighting i think the only difference is things are much more polarized now mm-hmm. like we're in a very mass like the difference mm-hmm. like whether you're left or right yeah mean very different things now than they did right when those two parties first emerged as the parties right which i think is a big difference mm-hmm. but like we forget that this is all cyclical and like yeah it's still a good fight. We still have to fight it. Mm-hmm. But there's probably going to be something in 20, 30 years that we're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> That's true. But, yeah. It's, it's stupid. Yeah. And we need ar- arenas for these conversations to have. We do. And libraries are the perfect ones to have. Exactly. They're literally meant to be the font of knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's why you'll still find in libraries books about Nazis. Mm-hmm. Because it's important to recognize that Nazis existed, mm-hmm. they still exist, mm-hmm. and in fact they're growing in numbers, but if we didn't yeah. have those books in the library, right? how would anyone really know right. about this history that mm-hmm. we have? Like, I was in the bookstore today, mm-hmm. and there was a giant book mm-hmm. all about the um, Holocaust, right? and specifically about, like, Auschwitz and Birkenau, and it's like, those are important to have. Like, some people are like, why would you ever buy a book like that? And it's like, because history is important to remember. Mm-hmm. And people forget about it a lot. Right. Those who do not learn from history are bound to repeat it. Yes, that is the quote. I don't know who quoted that. I do not know. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> somewhere, some really old dude from history. <laughs> yeah. 
once said that. And sadly, no one's really paying attention to poor old dead dude. Yeah, and yeah. like, I think people think that we're somehow yeah. immune to that in the age of internet. Yeah. And in some ways, I can understand why that is. Mm-hmm. Like, because you, you would think with social media and the advent of immediate news spread mm-hmm. that you're going to hear about it before it happens. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing about hearing about it, and there's a, another thing about actually taking action against it. Mm-hmm. Think about all those kids in the Mexican border. Yeah. Like, we all know about it. Yeah. But how many people have actually taken action mm-hmm. for it? Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, the government will fix it. They know about it. And it's like... Yeah, they know about it because they're doing it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they've signed the papers on those houses, mm-hmm. on those uh, mylar blankets. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Okay, on a different note, <laughs> I wanted to bring up. Oh, okay, awesome. So, recently, especially in Ontario, where certain governments are making certain budget cuts, mm-hmm. outdoor education centers have faced a lot of scrutiny, mm-hmm. and I think something like five have closed down this oh, wow. year. I work in outdoor education. <laughs> That's um, one of my jobs, is to be an outdoor educator, and I wanted to know... If you think that there's enough value in outdoor education centers, that they shouldn't be closed down. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Next question. Oh, okay, bye. Glad we had to have that conversation. (laughs) Um, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, too. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Talking about the uh, value of outdoors, I think. Exactly, and um, I think we touched upon just the various ways in which people learn and mm-hmm. oh, that's right, yeah, getting away from traditional um, learning at sitting at the desk. You know, here, write this out. Blah yeah. blah 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 blah. Here's me speaking. Don't I sound like the peanuts adult? <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> True. Yeah, that's right. So, um, any way in which children can oh. That reminds me of. So one of my questions for the GRE for the AWA section yeah, yeah. was: um, Should be using technology like computers and video games and all that in like the library and or not the library at the end in school, or is it just like distracting from actual learning? So it's very similar to what I actually had to write about. Um, but what was I saying? GRE. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, other modes of learning, yeah. and so. Um, outside learning, like what you provide and mm-hmm. other, other stuff I'm not too familiar with, <laughs> is, a, is only one way in which kids can learn. And some kids are very visual. Some kids are more tactile. Some kids are very, true. you know, academic and they like to read and they learn better that way. Well, some people, they actually have to see what the fuck that is, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's true. And it's like, I can't understand what you just said by you reading that to me. I need to be actually be able to see this gloobity glob thing and understand mm-hmm. that this gloobity thing is attached to that. And, oh, okay, yeah. now that I understand. Sense, yeah. yeah, right? And some people, they need to do. They need to actually get their hands on it and mm-hmm. figure out that, like, Touch these two, yeah. Touch the gloobity do. <laughs> <laughs> Touch it, feel it, smell it. Look at. Kids will. Hopefully, you get older, you'll know better not to lick and 
put the gloom in there. So one of the things to test soil was to actually put it in our mouth. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not all kids. <laughs> yeah, get in there, kids. <laughs> Taste that soil. <laughs> Tell me what you think. Oh, okay. my God. <laughs> That's, you'll never forget that lesson. No. <laughs> no, you don't. You. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I'm an outdoor educator. So, for me, absolutely, outdoor ed has its place and the center shouldn't be closed down mm-hmm. to try to scrape a couple grand back into the pot because you know they closed down those centers and that money did not go back to the people oh no it did not you know it did not but i always like to ask especially because mm-hmm. i have a new appreciation now that i'm actually in right like i always believed in outdoor ed mm-hmm. it's my career path i really mm-hmm. hope i believe in it mm-hmm. but it's another thing to be in it and hear about mm-hmm. certain once closing and stuff like that. And I've actually taken both streams. Like, I've gone to college and done the hands-on things where I was, like, up and in it. And And then I went to, like, university where it was more academic, and it was just like, here's a book. Read the theory. Tell me what you think. And I'm like, okay, great. And I did well in both arenas. Yeah, I did as well. Um, But definitely for certain subjects, you need both. Like, that's why nursing and engineering, it's not good enough just to get a, a nursing degree once you get that degree from university, they say, okay, now go to college and actually get some practice in it yeah. before you come to the hospital and potentially kill somebody. Yeah. So, you know, lots of things in which we learn. And any way, the more ways you kind of practice information, the better you'll actually yeah. remember. And so yeah. I think it's a question of, do you want kids to memorize or do you want kids to learn? Yeah. And so yeah. if you really just care whether or not they can regurgitate it to you and tell you for your, like, your exam and here's yeah. your B plus, go away, or if you really want this to be something that they carry with them for the rest of their lives yeah. because it's actually important, then we need different ways in which to yeah. get that knowledge into kids' noggins. Yeah, and a lot of the Western, specifically North America, mm-hmm. um, at least because that's, that's a system I'm in and I learn, mm-hmm. know most about, mm-hmm. It seems like the memorization is what's important. Right. Between, what do they call them in the States? Like STEAs or... SATs. SATs. And then, like, in Ontario, we always had the, um, like, even grade three and, like... EQAOs. Yeah, the EQAOs and stuff like that. Like, that's very memorization-based. Like, that's very little to do with, like, if you're actually taking in that knowledge Mm -hmm. and kind of, like... Yeah, it is a very Western thing. And a lot of... um, tests Mm -hmm. that are have been adapted in north america have actually not done well over (laughs) eastern countries uh i think i think china and japan are actually the only few countries that actually use them yeah for placements and stuff like that and a very different way of like exactly like the respect in the classroom is very different Mm -hmm. like energy in the classroom is very different oh yeah so like is it a surprise no right but they also don't necessarily see the need for them or understand them. They also don't translate very well either. So yeah. I I think it goes back to, and this is something that I was learning for psychology, like mm-hmm. measurements and like the history of it. Mm-hmm. We've kind of confused what intelligence tests are actually meant to do. Exactly. A lot of people believe that intelligence tests tells you how smart you are. And mm. they don't. They were never actually designed to do that. Mm -hmm. They were really more designed to indicate... Let me see if I can remember this. (laughs) Uh, Oh, um, 
whether somebody was whether additional help would actually be needed or useful for an individual oh. so when Benet started it mm-hmm. it was to see can this person can this child specifically get any kind of benefit from going to school Oh. Can school actually help this individual or is this individual unfortunately just too far developmentally delayed that oh. it can't? So it wasn't like you are a genius and you know all this stuff. No, yeah. it was just like school might actually be a good place for you. You might actually do well in an academic setting. So if you don't do very well in an intelligence test, it doesn't say you're stupid. Just it just says, the yeah, the academic setting is not somewhere that you would thrive in. You don't learn well from this area. Sitting there with a textbook and whatever yeah, is not, not it's way. not your thing. And so it's not, you're well, an idiot. Exactly. <laughs> and so all these intelligence tests in which you make you feel like you're, like IQs and stuff? yeah, that doesn't tell you you're a genius. It tells you you're an academic. Yeah. So the higher you, you do, it just means that exactly. remembered yeah. that. So many kids would be like, not just kids, so many adults would have gone into life with far fewer like mm-hmm. reservations and anxieties. Mm-hmm. I can't believe, I have no idea that that's what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been so much. We've done a big disservice to yeah. a lot of people. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of the tests that we do, like the EQAO and the GRE and the mm-hmm. SATs and all that. Again, they're just as, they're assuming that there's a relationship between your GPA mm-hmm. and how well you would do in university based on this test. Oh. Yeah. So they think that if you have a higher test score, yeah, and you have a high GPA, yeah, that you will be more likely to do well in a graduate setting. Oh. Which I guess... Which may or may not necessarily be the case. Because you could be somebody who would do really well in academics, but you just don't test well. Me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like that. Tests are not... Yeah. Like, you have to have a really good memory, like immediate memory Mm -hmm. and recall to be able to do exams. Mm -hmm. Like, like if if you don't have good recall under stress... That's all an exam is, is what we call under stress. Mm -hmm. But if you had a conversation, you might be able to bring that out entirely in Mm -hmm. conversation, everything you learned. Mm -hmm. So what would you, I guess, is is there a way for us to even have a standardized way of teaching them? There shouldn't. Because, like, we obviously, in our society, we need school. We do need school. And so... How would we move forward with that? Because obviously, like we have different school boards mm-hmm. in in Ontario. Anyway, we have different school boards. We have different like standards, and at the end, you get this kind mm-hmm. of because school's mandatory here. So, like, how do we move forward with the understanding that like? <laughs> of all of it. That's that's a really good question. I I doubt something we'll figure out today. <laughs> but that's it's fair. it's definitely a conversation that I think our governments and like school boards should be having. Mm. Right? And it's just 
So I was actually reading something that a lot of graduate schools are actually doing away with all these standardized testing. Wait, really? Yeah. So Yale actually doesn't do the GRE if you want to go for their psychology program. I should have applied to Yale. Yale's the American one, Yes. Wait, wait, the American ones are starting to get away with them first? Yeah. That's a So they're like saying, but it's also really kind of racially biased because a lot of people who do well on them actually, you know, the whole scandal, they have the means to actually afford to get their child all this extra help. So the poor guy in Harlem who is actually really smart, doesn't have all this additional practice and he doesn't do very well, but he would have been like, no, he doesn't get a go because his score is like shit. Of course, it's always racially biased. Of course it is. (laughs) It's always biased. Oh, there is so much racism in intellectual testing. So much. So much. Because, like, who can afford a tutor? Exactly. Like, white yuppie. Yeah. That lives down the street. Who can afford to get someone to pay for them to do the test? Uh-huh. The rich white lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I read something on the note of the test. Mm-hmm. A senior mm-hmm. in, so this is an American, a, a senior in um, something, I don't know what it was. <laughs> A freshman approached her uh-huh. and was like, can you give me the test mm-hmm. so that I can, like, practice it? And the senior was like, because apparently the professor is one of your senior just give you the tests and stuff like that mm-hmm. to practice on. She wrote a fake test. And the, the, the freshman was like, I'll give you, like, $300 or whatever. Oh, wow. The freshman, uh, the senior, wrote a fake test with fake answers, uh, fake questions mm-hmm. for the freshman, mm-hmm. and like obviously fake answers and stuff. And the freshman failed. <laughs> now she didn't take the money because mm-hmm. she's like whatever. But she said she was setting up the freshman because she was like, "This is a lesson they need to learn early, <laughs> not to try to pay yeah. for a pass mm-hmm. on like a midterm mm-hmm. or something like that." Mm-hmm. I think that's brutal, <laughs> but also like the same kind of like privilege to think that you can just pay your way exactly through like everything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's just me. <laughs> <sighs> but yes, we need to have conversations about where education goes from here. Yeah, because like obviously, there's no one way. Because like there's a big movement of Montessori schools right now, mm-hmm. which are, you don't actually need to be an accredited Ontario teacher to be a teacher at a Montessori school. Mm-hmm. They prefer that you know the Montessori like way of teaching, mm-hmm. but like I could apply, even you though I don't apply. have my, okay, it's a, believe me, it's <laughs> on the mind. And then you have Ontario teachers who have to have their bachelors of education or their masters of education. Mm-hmm to do any sort of teaching mm-hmm. and yet all of those kids who all come out of it at the end will all be able to go on to university mm-hmm. despite the fact they have very vastly different ways of being taught mm-hmm. so I guess how on earth yeah when you, it's mandatory for kids to go to school and I agree like it should be it should be how, <laughs> how do we make sure that you don't end up leaving kids behind because you're trying to force their brain to work in a way that it was never going to. Mm-hmm. And maybe there is no answer to that. No. 
because we can't. No one can. Not everyone can homeschool. No, not everybody should homeschool. Not everybody should. Homeschool. There, are, <laughs> there are some people that they don't believe in like the traditional schooling set, uh, system. Of course. And they also hold very um, interesting, for lack of a better word, beliefs. And so I'm terrified. What do you mean? What do you mean? Tell me. They're very much into conspiracy theories. Oh, like Flat Earth? Uh, flat Earth. Um, Queen Elizabeth is really a lizard. Uh, not a werewolf? Not a werewolf. She's a shape-shifting lizard who is eating children. <laughs> um, you know, she's anti-vaxxers. So, oh, God, yeah. Okay, you're right. They so it's like you children. should not. Actually, anti-vaxxers should be homeschooling their children and they're not going to affect the rest of the... But, like, populace. I don't know what the they would be teaching their child and I would be very concerned for what knowledge they had once they go into the real world because, you know. That's true. Yeah. We don't need any more of those types of people. I mean, everybody's welcome to their beliefs, but there are some beliefs that are like, really? You think that? Yeah. Good job. (laughs) Really? Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess there maybe isn't a way that we can universe. I guess the point is there shouldn't be a universal way to teach. Or we can have that system set up for schools, but then we have your system. The um, outdoor outdoor, outdoor, Exactly. Your system. (laughs) Your system. (laughs) The outdoor ed system. Yeah, I guess. You need a balance. It's just, you know. Yeah, and I suppose humans aren't very good (laughs) at, like, Acknowledging that there's right. no one right. way to do it. Right. I mean, I know in Mississauga, at least, there was a high school that was predominantly business-based. And then there oh, was an arts high that's school. Right, there are those. And then there was the crappy school that I went to. <laughs> and I know my one of the people I work with, her school had a very social justice. Mm-hmm. Like, their, their principal was given... Like the feminist award, ooh, like like that kind of thing. So like, there's all these different like right focuses. But if we're gonna have schools with focuses like that, then shouldn't they? They do you think they should be allowed to have borders on who's allowed to attend those schools? Because most of the time, it's like within a let's just throw out a number fifty kilometer range. Mm-hmm. It's not, but I'm just that's what in mm-hmm. my head. Like, only people who live in a 50-kilometer range of that school should mm-hmm. be allowed to go to that school. So I know with the specialty schools, like the ones that were uh, business-focused and the ones yeah. that were arts-focused, it wasn't a range. Oh, okay. It was apply. It was very much like university. Oh, so it's okay. like you had to do something to actually get in. You had to show some kind of um, business capability or you had to be arts or dance or even singing. And right. you had to audition. So you could literally come from all over Mississauga to go to that school. Oh, okay. Whereas, like, the general schools that I went to, Crapplewood, as we affectionately coppled it. Wait, uh, what? Crapplewood. Crapplewood? <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So that was just, like, your regular run-of-the-mill school, and there was kind of, like... I can't believe that. There was a limit, a border, kind okay, of, like... Okay, yeah. Right. That's so. fair. So I guess that's probably the best way yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. And so if you're more, like, artistic and more kinetic inclined, if you want to study dance and maybe we should do more dance and more artistic stuff, you know? Everybody has to dance the Gettysburg Address. You get 5%. (laughs) (laughs) Well, saying that, now there's, 
I had a school, a class the other day, who had, what do they call it, DPE? No. I think it was called DPE, but I can't, oh, daily physical exercise. Mm -hmm. And so every day they had to, like, do something that was active. So the teacher would either take them out to the area to, like, go for a walk around the field, like, halfway through the day, or they'd have to do a stretch, like, Mm -hmm. in the classroom. So there is changes happening. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how effective they are. Mm -hmm. But. Yeah. I guess that's. We do need to incorporate more types of physical activity into phys ed as opposed to just throwing balls at each other's heads. Yeah, especially because, like, I don't know about you, but I was always the one that was either picked last or thrown at first. When it came to dodgeball, I was always the last person standing. Is because no one threw at you? Because I was just amazing at dodging. Oh, that's fair. Because I'm I'm small. That's fair. That's fair. And so at the end of the game, I I would be the only person on my team, and there would be, like, the whole team across from me, and my whole team would be like, come on, Nora, I'll win. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And I'm like, yeah. I can't throw. I can't can't throw, but you'll catch it, and I'll be out. So, like, this is fun. Thanks, guys. (laughs) And this would be, like, ten people against me. Oh, and my team on the other side going like, yeah, go and win. I'm like, go screw yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. Like, don't put that pressure on me. You're out, buddy, okay? I don't need your criticism. <laughs> so that was Jim for me. That's, Not my forte. Yeah, Jim. <laughs> I just, uh, all I can remember from Jim class was there was one time we had the... <laughs> Again. Uh, <laughs> if... In case you couldn't hear that on the <laughs> podcast, there is a room next to us. There's someone sneezing along. So there's one gym class where we had to do the vault horse. Mm. You know the you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah. And they had like the springboard, and yeah. you have to springboard up and go like hold the handles and put your legs through your arms. Mm-hmm. And I and you're supposed to hold it and then jump down. Mm-hmm. And I went to the corner and I cried. Oh. <laughs> Because I did not want to do it. Mm-hmm. I could barely get over, like, the two boxes. And mm-hmm. everybody had to try the vault horse. And I was just like, no. Like, everyone was like... Like, there was a lot of people who bullied me in that class. And mm-hmm. I just did not want to be in front mm-hmm. of everybody trying to get over the vault horse when, like, plus size, even as a high schooler, like, I did not want that anything so yeah. I literally went to the corner of the gym and I cried and the teacher still made me do it in front of everybody oh like and I st- and I missed like I couldn't get through mm-hmm. it like at all like my legs my arms were too short or whatever and I had to she made me do it twice <laughs> in front of everybody still crying because I was just like I don't want to do it miss don't make me do it so no. yeah I don't obviously uh yeah. <laughs> school is just so traumatic. I mean, forget about ways in which to learn. We just need to revamp school culture altogether. Yeah. I, yeah, we do. <sighs> yeah, that's <laughs> all I can say is yes. So, I don't know. On another topic, just before we end off, I guess, the podcast, I don't know. Let's see, where are we right now? We're at... 50 minutes. Okay. So we can do one more topic. Do you sure. have one? Or um, or we can ask our guest who's been sitting here. He <laughs> has a topic. No? Not okay. Really. Not no. really, no. <laughs> no. Okay, so 
my topic is mm-hmm. how much have you heard about Hong Kong since last week? Or since, since, last since I guess it would have been about a month ago, actually. Oh, Like, yeah. between last month and now, I've noticed mm-hmm. a sheer drop in how much it's being posted about or talked uh, about. So, I watch the news fairly Ooh, the regularly. News. And actually... <laughs> They've actually done a, a fairly good job about oh, posting, about reporting on it. And so I know they're, oh my God, it's getting crazy over there. People are getting shot. People are being yep. set on fire. Yep. And they covered the fact that some people were barricading themselves in the university. Could you imagine barricading yourself in Sheridan? No. <laughs> they used it's to do glass. I don't yeah. know if I would feel safe. Uh, yeah, so it is Oh, and I, I think I heard something about, um, what was it? I want to say 79% of the people who were actually able to vote actually went out and did so, which was like the in high Hong in Hong Kong. Oh, my gosh. So it was like the highest percent of people who are actually voting, which is good for them. We that's, need to learn that's from good. Yeah. So, and I know China is all like mad at Trump because Trump did something in support of Hong Kong. And Hong Kong's like, yay, Trump, which is like probably the first time in his presidency that he's ever heard that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then China's like, all like no. Uh, so. I mean, you <laughs> surprised. Right. So I've actually heard quite a bit about it. Do you not see it posted on like social media as much or anything? So that's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, about so I haven't been able to watch the news much. I don't have, watch TV, mm-hmm. um, so my most of my consumption is social media. Mm-hmm. And of course, we all know that mm-hmm. social media is very curated mm-hmm. by those who post it and those who follow anything on social media. But I haven't noticed anywhere near as much mm-hmm. on social media. Not only on the like. So on Instagram, you get the um, like the your stuff that mm-hmm. you follow so you see it and then you can flip over to like the explore page mm-hmm. and I want to say about a month ago I was seeing at least three posts per like page yeah of stuff from Hong Kong never mind like circulating on Facebook never mind circulating whatever I haven't checked Tumblr in a very long time and I know mm-hmm. they're very up on stuff like this like yeah. they can be or at least the people the pages I followed on that social media but I haven't noticed even half as much and I just looked because mm-hmm. I was interested. And I looked at the news this week, like this week in the news, and number four is about uh, Hong Kong. So I was just curious if you had seen anything. Mm-hmm. But number four, the title is Students Elderly Join Together for Peaceful Hong Kong Protest. Which, you know, feels like very good. Because as mm-hmm. far as I understood, and I have a friend who grew up in Hong Kong, and so she was talking to me about the whole situation mm-hmm. from her point of view and from her family's point of view mm-hmm. the older demographic were not taking action mm-hmm. because the like social pressures over there are very much just kind yeah. of like like don't right don't talk don't like complain kind mm-hmm. of thing but it's kind of heartening to see that actually um like multiple generations are now starting to push back because mm-hmm. it was scary like there were the police officers who were hiding as protesters, mm-hmm. and then once they got in, if they were found out, they would pull their batons and their guns. Right. I'm like, that's terrifying. That is terrifying. I'm actually very impressed that you use your social media for such things, because mm-hmm. all I have on my Explore page for Instagram is, like, pull and puppies. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, <laughs> I think, so that's the thing, is it's this very, like, it's a very fine line, mm-hmm. because I, I believe that social media is inherently good, mm-hmm. and that it's just used and curated badly. Yeah. And so I think that there's nothing wrong with having your social media be polls and puppies. <laughs> because, like, at the end of the day, it is a form of escapism. Right. But I also believe in the opportunity mm-hmm. for it to be more. Yeah. Like, the opportunity for it to spread the word. Mm-hmm. Because the only reason I knew about it, because, again, I don't have, like, I don't really watch TV, mm-hmm. so I don't watch the news, is the only reason I knew about the Hong Kong protests because a video showed up on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the, mm-hmm. like, That's, actual heck yeah. is this? I, I, so <laughs> Nora swore last time and I forgot to beep it, so I don't know if we're <laughs> swearing podcasts or not yet. I swear, like, so as I said, I swear like a trucker, which is very surprising for a lot. Yeah, see, a lot of people (laughs) are very surprised. So maybe Uh, we are a swearing podcast, and I'll just find a noise that I want to cover with. Maybe a puppy bark. Maybe I'll just go with (laughs) it. So, yeah, so I think that social media is inherently good, Mm -hmm. but used the wrong way. Mm Because obviously it can spread, as they call fake news and stuff like that. And social media platforms need like the curators of the platform need to be responsible for vetting mm-hmm. uh, viral information mm-hmm. so like stuff like anti-vax like yeah if it's not founded in science i think they should be the kind like social media platform should be vetting it mm-hmm. and say like this is not the information we want mm-hmm. to be spreading yeah right yeah now, some of the people I follow, like you and some other people, are very <laughs> activist So oh, they yeah. post a lot of stuff, and sometimes yeah. that's how I find out about yeah. things. Yeah. So that's actually how I found out about the rainforest fires oh, and all God, that. Those were terrible. And sometimes they kind of cross over in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Like one of the poll people that I, poll influencers, I guess you can call her, yeah. that I follow, there was like this weird comment on her video and it's like, I used to really love watching your videos, oh, but nice. I saw you commenting on something on Hong Kong and now I just can't support you and I'm not following you anymore. And you're like, you went onto her poll page to say that you're not following her anymore because she said something about Hong Kong? Really? Like, what does that, like... And I'm just like, okay she commented or liked something related to Hong Kong and and that's why you can't watch her do Bird of Paradise okay (laughs) that's not really what I think about when I see her do a Bird of Paradise mostly it's just like I don't know how you did got your leg up there yeah like but okay and then somebody commented (laughs) and then somebody commented like so you created a fake account to comment that you were no longer going to follow her like really (laughs) really like, I, yeah, I don't really understand. So, yeah, I mean, that, I think that was the only time that Hong Kong came up on my Instagram. Yeah, it's, and I think that a lot of people get upset when mm-hmm. people don't follow, like, social justice mm-hmm. activist media on Instagram mm-hmm. or any, whatever social media, Twitter that they use. And, like, my personal opinion is, is that if that's your escapism from, like, how terrible the world is, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it is everybody's responsibility to be aware of what's happening in the world. Like, I don't think it's healthy for anyone to live in a bubble and mm-hmm. pretend that it's not their problem. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's it, whatever it is, mm-hmm. is everybody's problem. Mm-hmm. But 
like I can understand why it would be super depressing to scroll your feed mm-hmm. and just see devastation. Yeah. And so if your devastation is filtered with puppies and uh, workout videos and people falling off the pole, people falling off the pole, and That's my favorite. <laughs> whatever it is, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. I need to do a better job at following more news feeds mm-hmm. now, especially now that we're doing this mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying this. Mm-hmm. I want to be more up on it, so yeah. I should follow more news, newsy things. Right. But, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with social media being your escape. No. Like, because the world is full of shitty, shitty things. Yeah. And, like, it can be hard to sit and watch mm-hmm. just the... Environmental disaster, right. women's rights disaster, mm-hmm. LGBT disaster, environmental disaster, human rights disaster. Mm-hmm. Like, that's hard to just be faced with that mm-hmm. all the time. And as humans, we can't handle that. No. Like, nobody can. Like, there's no We're not designed in the world to, no. Who can just handle the bad, the bad, the bad, the bad, the bad. Mm-hmm. So if you want to watch puppies, I like puppies that fall off of curbs. <laughs> <laughs> like, they just tumble. And you like watching people fall off the pole. And, yeah. like, that's fine that's a good thing i think it's healthy to have like a break and an escape and i think that's another thing that like the general public is like activists shouldn't be having fun they should just be working (laughs) on this issue and like fixing it it's like yeah well we all know what happened to jack when he was all work and no play uh he wait which jack the shining Oh, God, yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah, yep, yep, yep. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I think that, um, in general, the world is, is yeah. a shitty place, and everybody should be allowed right. to... But I think it makes sense that you're not seeing so much about Hong Kong on social media, because I feel like social media is very much a... It's a kind of... Yeah, fickle. But it's also very much like whatever is you know, causing outrage at the moment is it gets splashed everywhere. But then, you know, outrage yeah. kind of subsides and we're like, okay, well, not really mad about Hong Kong anymore. What are we mad about today? And now it's yeah. something else. Yeah. So it's like the flavor of the month. Yeah, and that's or why I say like... The horror of the month, really. Yeah, and that's why I say it's very curated. Like, yeah. it's very like what... Because at the end of the day, social media makes money. Yeah. And so what is making money today? At right. first it was Hong Kong. Right. Now it's something else Trump tweeted about. Like, yeah. it's whatever it is, it does flip-flop. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because social media allows everything to be shared. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, for me, it's almost like I'm realizing how bad the world is. Mm-hmm. Like, because mm-hmm. now I'm realizing that Amazon is burning. Yeah. Hong Kong is killing its citizens and yeah. hiding them away in who knows where. Right. Um, they have their own version of concentration camps, yep. Yep. Uh, Britain is... People in are the stabbing. Of a vote yep. That literally between a guy who would rather see you dead, mm-hmm. and yeah, okay, a guy who didn't do some great things politically, but would wants to give you free healthcare and mm-hmm. education, and people are voting for the guy who wants you dead. Like all these things are happening all simultaneously, yeah. and it is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But as citizens of the world, mm-hmm. I think it's important to pick your battles. Yeah. Because you can't fight them all at once. No. And if you try to, you're not going to fight any. Yeah. So I think maybe that's the tone of this episode is pick your battles. Mm-hmm. Because whether it's education, whether it's um, like which act 
activism you're going to be yeah. a part of, or whether it's who you're going to try to educate. Who you're going to try to educate. I think and have conversations with. Yeah. Yeah, I think today's episode is all about pick your battles. Mm-hmm. So maybe that should be the question of the day: is which battle are you going to pick today? <laughs> I'm not really sure. Or you can tell us your elementary school or school horror stories oh and if you're if you're not feeling up for horror yeah how about what is your outlet mm-hmm. what thing on social media oh, is yeah. your outlet nora likes watching people fall off the pole i like watching puppies tumble off of curbs what is your outlet <laughs> okay so from me emma and me nora see you next month, month.